3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders, past and present of the Kulin Nation, and we recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's 7 o'clock a.m. That's a morning. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good morning. Um... Not as dark of a morning as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So that was exciting. It feels kind of, I've said this before, but it feels disrespectful that the sun is like starting to creep up this early because I feel <laughs> tired. It should be dark. Oh, you know? goodness. Yeah. Anyway, um, how have you been? <laughs> I've been uh, good. I've been great, actually. Yeah. I've been off on holiday, leaving you hey. to do all the work. So um, how have you been, Will? Um, I have been dropping the ball, is what oh. I've been doing. So last week there wasn't a show. I was unwell. Uh. And um, I'm sorry, everyone, if you tuned into Wednesday Breakfast and you didn't hear anything. Um, that's why. Actually, you wouldn't have not heard anything, because no, 3CR has something. a really fantastic catalogue of music that comes on when we don't have a show. Yeah, um, definitely. A lot of Indigenous music, a lot of music by women, Australian people. Um, and yeah, so I find that even in those very, very late hours at night, like at three o'clock when we don't have programming usually, it's still good to tune into 3CR. Tune in. Why not? You'll find something wicked. Um, we have ignored to say, but it is May Day. So happy May Day. Happy May Day, everyone. Uh, what, what does that mean? Oh, what does it mean? Well, we're actually going to have Len, uh, Cooper coming in later today, but May Day is kind of, uh, International Workers Day. Mm. So we're showing solidarity with workers all over Australia and, of course, the international world, um, Mm -hmm. who goes by the title of Worker. Yeah. If you work, if you have worked, yes. if you're working. If someone is renting your labour in return for a wage, then... This is your day. Happy you, happy your day. Happy you day. Yeah, good job. <laughs> um, we should mention that Lemon's from the Victorian Trade Yes, that'd be a good idea. Yes, yes. Um, who's going to be coming in at 6... Sorry, 7.30. 7.30. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to be hearing from the folks at um, Dirt Radio. They've mm-hmm. done some really great reportage, which we'll be listening back to... Um, and then we're bringing out the show. How are we ending the show? Uh, we're ending the show actually with John from uh, the University of Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And John's kind of a studier of media. And he's going to be talking about the importance of multicultural media in Australia mm. and kind of how we need to protect that, uh, especially within, you know, today is May Day and also, mm-hmm. you know, upcoming election, yep. dun, 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 which is later this month. By the way, I can't believe that mm-hmm. voting is in 17 days. I know. That horrifies me. Yeah. Well, if anything, um, May Day reminds us that we don't live in a democracy, um, that, you know, we have, we have people, representatives that we get to vote for, but we as workers do not have power over the things that we get to produce in a society. It is the, a small pool of the wealthy who decide what gets into the newspapers, who decide what comes out of factories. And so I suppose May Day... Um, well, I mean, May Day, May Day was going to be on the 1st of May every year, but the fact that it comes bef- this close to an election sort of reminds you that the, the election isn't it. Yeah, The election definitely. is something, um, but it's not it. And so, it's not it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it ain't all that. It so, ain't all um, that. Let's, let's, uh, let's 
I don't know, move on with the show and I, I don't know, do you have anything else to say? Well, actually, I, my our wonderful producers just brought in a fact sheet of Mayday. Hey. So I thought throughout <laughs> our show we could give you some fun facts. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is that in 1884 at a conference of the Federated Trades and Labor Unions of the United States and Canada in mm-hmm. the US, the conference decided to launch an intensive campaign for the eight-hour working day that would culminate in widespread struggles on the 1st of May. And, of course, as we know, this is the 888 our working day kind of decision. Eight hours of work, eight hours of rest, eight hours of sleep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and this is kind of like the whole basis of today. So mm. we're going to get a little bit further into that, obviously. But yep. um, there you go. Back to 1884. Mm. This has been kind of chucking along. Also, interesting fact, mm-hmm. um, India started celebrating May Day around, I believe I was reading this morning, 1923 or 24. Wow. So right. the, it, the movement itself has got some amazingly long and like mm. rain, wide range of international ties going on. So yeah, yeah, yeah funky totally. stuff. Um, shall we? Shall we move on to uh, international news? On to alternative news. Yes, sure. Okay, that sounds great. Um, I'm going to play the sting, sting for this. Do the, the sting, thing. as in the introduction <laughs> music. See if you can spot the difference. Stand up, all victims of the prey. Tyrants fear your might Don't cling so hard to your possessions For you have nothing, you have no rights Let racist ignorance be ended For respect makes the empire's fall Freedom is merely privilege extended Unless enjoyed by one
Yes, you're actually still listening to 3CR Community Radio. Uh, uh, Shirley Ellis sounds different, doesn't she? Yeah, she's not quite, uh, you know, not quite that tune. No, putting on all the stops, that was, um, that was the internationality, of course, which you may recognise, and that was by Billy Bragg. Um, so, alternative news, do we have a heap to say? Well, I'll start, first of all, by... Um, letting you know about an event that's not happening right today. Of course, today being May Day, if you head down to the AAA Monument, I imagine around 10 o'clock there'll be something going on. Mm-hmm. The AAA Monument, which is on the corner of Russell Street and La Trobe Street. Strong. In well, the city. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, on the 15th of May in Melbourne, there will be a 50th anniversary of the momentous Cla- Clary O'Shea and the Penal pu- Powers Struggle on the 15th of May this year. Um, the event is jointly organised by the RTBU, which is the Railways, Tram and Bus Union Victoria, and also the Spirit of Eureka. And uh, the theme of the event will be fighting for the right to strike. Um, so uh, there'll be all sorts of speakers there. You'll hear from people like Humphrey McQueen, who's a Marxist historian and activist. You'll be hearing from Shirley Winton, Winton a representative of the Spirit of Eureka, um, folks from the ACTU, RTBU and... Um, uh, also, Marcus Clayton, who's head of industrial law at Gordon Legal and also happens to be Clary O'Shea's family member. So that's happening today. Uh, no, that's happening on the 15th. Um, it'll start at 6.30 and there'll be finger food and things like that. Um, and that's happening at the substation, uh, number one Market Street, Newport. Tickets are $10. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, on alternative news, just generally, we've mm-hmm. also got a rather interesting report. Now, this comes out of the First Nations uh, Workers Alliance, who are on Facebook. And if you don't already follow them, I, I strongly suggest doing so, because they mm. provide a really great little snapshot into kind of alternative news, or just news kind of non-mainstream. That's alternative news synonyms. Anyway, <laughs> what it is, um, they put an interesting little comment out for um a little article called Encher's Controversial 5 Million Seawall Election Promise. And this little snippet just says, basically, an election promise of 5 million for seawalls by a member of uh, Lockhart Warren Enchant. Sorry for the horrible mispronunciation there. Uh, This week has snubbed the TSIRC with the funding to be channeled into work for the Dole programs. Now, what this is kind of, the the comment to kind of come out of this Mm. is the fact that uh, CDP workers will be used for the construction of the seawall, which Mm. is under Encher's kind of construction. That's his plan, right? Right. And can you tell tell us what CDP stands for? Sure, I can. So it stands for Community Development Program, and this in and of itself is extremely controversial. Mm. Um, It's a community development program for Indigenous workers, Mm -hmm. and it's been kind of called out recently for leaving workers with no real work, um, being forced to do kind of jobs in unsafe conditions, Mm. not paid, you know, very much at all. It's seen as very... um, punishment based because it's very much you know work for the doll yeah and otherwise okay. you don't get kind of that sort of welfare yeah. and support that you kind of you know so these are people who are very high risk for things like wage um wage theft exactly, um, it's, yep. it's essentially forced labor and we know that there's another name for that so yeah so uh, a high yeah. percentage i've just got a bit here but a high percentage of providers were found to be either at risk of fraud or financially vulnerable on mm. average payments for managing cdp workers made up more than 70% of providers' income. So there's mm. just there's a lot of corruption within that system and kind of, yeah, it's, it's just not working very well. So what they're comment about this is they've said um, 
The member from Lockhart, Warren Inch, will use CDP workers for his controversial seawall development. This eliminates potential jobs for locals and has CDP workers doing work for the equivalent of a new start payment. Mm. Shame. And they've also linked to um, a, another article just from a Labour Pledge, which has said with the upcoming election and a pledge um, that they will be replacing the community development program uh, with their plan, which is the Reconciliation Action Plan. Mm. So if you're interested in kind of, you know, what's the comparison between those two, I would suggest hopping on to SBS and just having a look at, um, you can write CDP, which was the Community Development Program, mm-hmm. highly controversial mm-hmm. and critiqued, uh, and ALP's Reconciliation Action Plan. I don't know. I don't know. Um, compare the two. Tell me whether they're any better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not like, going to tell you exactly what is better. We're not going to um, tell you what's better. Because but, um, we're in that period, aren't we? We are. We're in the we're in the the bubble, <laughs> the political bubble. <laughs> we're in the bubble before the election. Um, um, but it's yeah, yeah it, it's an alternative. So mm. I don't know. Mm. Toss it up. See what it's, see what it's like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, can we can we talk about alternatives? Please. Um, let's talk about the United Australia Party, formerly known as the Palmer United Party. Um, Interestingly, a report has come out through the Transparency Report Project, which is a project of The Guardian, um, mm-hmm. who do great work um, in sort of mainstream Australian polit- politics, um, that uh, almost 40% of Palmer candidates do not live where they are standing. Um, it's, it's shocking to know also that at least four live more than 1,000 kilometres from their seats. Now, they're going to be going mm. up to the castle anyway. They're going to be heading up to Canberra, as, quote, representatives, unquote, of their community. But that whole premise falls apart if they're not part of the community. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a huge disconnect there. And I know, mm. especially in Victorian seats, whenever someone lives mildly out of their electorate, yes. huge hullabaloo is made. Mm. And it's going, you know, how dare they not shop at the local shops kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's fascinating that this has come out. And as you say, it's such a huge distance yeah, out of the yeah. electorate. And that it's 40%. So that says yeah. something about the the poor level of screening in, mm. uh, well, at least leads us to ask questions about the level of screening in minor parties. I'm, you know... Um, I, I kind of remember that whole 14C. No, it's not 14C. The the citizenship mm. uh, issues that a number dual of um, yeah yeah the yeah. dual citizenship worries that a lot of um, um, federal MPs have had um, t- tends to happen in the smaller parties because mm. they have less screening protocols. I don't know. I just think it's something for us to watch out for. Definitely. Um, if you're thinking of voting for a smaller party, maybe do your own vetting, I guess, as a voter. Definitely. I'm thinking yeah. up, coming up to the election, I'm going to try and, because this is my first election. Mm. Ooh. Woo. Uh, <laughs> this is my first election, so I'm going to get online <coughs> and basically check out all the all the parties, because I, I, mm. I don't like going into the, into the, mm. into the ballot and looking at the... Parties where you're like, hmm, that name sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Mm, are yeah. their intentions good? So just yeah. matching up policies with parties, I suppose, yeah, is really important. Yeah. Um, There's a party that brands itself as, oh, I don't want to be too specific. Uh, basically, they're anti-vax, and the name yeah. doesn't suggest that they would be. Mm. Um, so I don't know. That's just something to to think about. Yeah, just this yeah. critical, just 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 applying a bit of a critical lens there, yeah. and having a bit of knowledge. Uh, I've been getting into a few arguments leading. There up are to so this. many parties, though, especially in the Senate. <sighs> I, I mean, in the Senate is mm. where we're talking, really. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been getting into so many arguments, Will, mm. with people about parties versus individual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people keep going. Oh, but you know, I don't trust this person, or I don't like this person. It's like it's. It, you need to look at the policies. You need to yeah. look at the party where yeah. it's going to go. Hundred percent. Yeah. So yes, that's been my 
<laughs> weekly mm. frustration thus far. Also, if you're voting for a single interest party and they don't have policies on other issues, oh. then think of the kind of people who will take advantage of that mm. absence of policy. That's like, a good point. That's just something that I've noticed with, with a party that sounds like something I'd really want to support. Mm. I went to their website, couldn't find anything to do with, like, so they're interested in a certain sort of... Um, Legalization of a certain substance. Right. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, they don't have any policies when it comes to immigration. Oh. Um, on their on their website, they don't have any policies when it comes to development mm. or health. Um, health that's not related to this particular substance. Right. Um, or education when it's not related to this particular substance. So I'm just, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. so it's a bit anyway, of a hollow. Um, so yeah, do we have other other events to mention? Um, no, I think we're actually wrapped up about for alternative news. Mm. We've got a few more events Ooh. coming up, but we'll, we'll give them as, yeah, we'll give them as they go. Mm. Uh, Will, do you have one there you'd like to raise? I do, I do. I've got a piece of paper here that I'm <laughs> going to read off. Um, no Fire Zone is a free film screening and discussion co-hosted by the Tamil Refugee Council and by Dr. Liam Ward at the RMIT School of Media and Communication. Um, so, uh, No Fire Zone is a documentary and it helps answer why Tamils fled to places like Australia in their thousands and why it's still not safe for them to return. Um, it's, uh, I've, I've seen the, the trailer. It is very shocking. Yeah. Um, so if, if that's the kind of thing that you don't think you'll be able to witness, um, then maybe don't turn up. Um, but otherwise it is a free film screening and there will be a, a very valuable discussion. It's also a bit of fundraising, so bring some cash with you as well. Um, it's happening at 6.45 this Saturday, May the 4th at the RMIT Cinema Theatre. Um, if you don't know where that is, um, I've, I've been past it thousands of times. I had no idea that RMIT had a big <laughs> cinema. Um, but it's down on Swanson Street. It's kind of near... Um, it's kind of near Town Hall. Like, it's kind of almost basically opposite Melbourne City Town Hall. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, Alrighty. okay. Well, we'll maybe get into a song and then get into our first interview. Absolutely. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll... We'll hear you just after, like, a song are we having, Will? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should listen to Touch One, Touch All by the Urban Gorillas. Stay Fantastic. tuned. Fantastic. You're listening to Wednesday Breakfast, 3CR. Down the line, boys, Listen up, you're tuned to 855 Community Radio 3CR for May Day. Today we're celebrating as workers everywhere remember the proud past and push ahead to build a strong future. Keep tuned to 3CR and supporting May Day. Before the government started turning back boats in 2013, around 10,000 Tamils arrived seeking refuge in Australia, fleeing from the Sri Lankan government. On Saturday, 4th of May, we invite you to a film screening of No Fire Zone at 6.45pm at RMIT Cinema Theatre. The cinema is located at Building 80, 455 Swanston Street, opposite the RMIT tram stop. This award-winning documentary about the war helps answer why Tamils fled to places like Australia and why it is not safe for them to return. This event is co-hosted by Tamil Refugee Council and Dr Liam Ward from RMIT's School of Media and Communication, supported by 3CR. Subscribe now at 3cr.org.au.
And you're listening to 3CR. It's just coming up to 7.25, and we have Len Cooper in the studio, uh, the Secretary of the May Day Organisation. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so I thought we'd start off just kind of a big question. Uh, what does May Day mean to you? Well, the interesting thing is that people don't really know, probably, is that this is the 125th May Day in Melbourne. Okay. There's no. been 125 celebrations of May Day. May Day historically came, uh, grew out of the movement in America to win the eight-hour day mm-hmm. uh, and uh, had an unfortunate situation where a number of workers were shot down in the street by the police for demonstrating about these things mm-hmm. uh, in the home of democracy. And uh, basically, ever since then, right across the globe, May the 1st has been uh, treated as uh, International Workers' Day. Uh, It's a day where workers take to the streets to demonstrate their achievements and to demonstrate the things that they want to fight for in the period ahead. And uh, we'll be doing the same as we do every year in Melbourne, as I say, it's 125th. Yeah, no, well, thank you so much for bringing that in. I hadn't realised it was 125th. Um, I suppose that means the day is hugely symbolic. What what do you think is the, um, I suppose... Yeah, the, the significance of it within kind of our modern day context within this year, I suppose, even. Right. Well, I think the, the context really everywhere, uh, right across the globe, is that it's workers demonstrating uh, about the need to, to change, to change the system, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to win their own liberation and to cease the ceaseless struggle uh, for rights and conditions and pay and against war so in effect uh, I think just about everywhere across the globe it's seen as a workers day uh, to support rebellion cool oh Oh, it's just um, talking about context there's kind of a lie told by the mainstream media that 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 it's never been a better time to be an Australian, that, that things are fine, that, that workers have earned these rights and we have an eight-hour day, mm. and that, that's been won, and that, the, the, that battle has been won. But that's not true, is it? No, certainly not. In fact, uh, you know, we have a, a, an event tomorrow night at the eight-hour memorial across from Trades Hall, and we, we make the point regularly at that, uh, that, in effect, the struggle for... Uh, Hours of duty continues today. In most places, workers are being forced to work more than 40-hour a week. Uh, in some cases, they're being forced to do it without getting any overtime pay. And so the, uh, in many respects, the struggle over hours of duty, mm. shorter hours, is being renewed because uh, the employers are pushing back, fighting back, as they always do. Mm in order to increase those hours of duty and they try and do it, as I say, without any extra pay. Yeah, wheedling little ways like casualising mm. their workforce. Isn't uh, yeah. yeah, I was just yeah. about to say, especially with um, my demographic people entering the workforce where, you know, we're faced with the idea of gig economy and casualisation of work. Um, yeah. How would you say, or, or what would you say to young workers, I suppose, entering into this workforce, why is it so important that they're celebrating May Day or at least learning about it even? Well, I think probably for the young workers coming into the workforce who don't know a lot about unionism uh, and uh, don't are not made aware of their rights uh, when they start work, and in fact, in most cases, they're very fearful of trying to exercise those mm-hmm. rights in case they lose their job or something else happens. 
And so uh, the, 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 the real issue, I think, for workers coming into jobs is to, to recognise the importance of working together with your workmates, sticking together, uh, if possible, joining a union and, uh, and making sure that you can exercise the rights that have been won in this country up until now. Again, like hours of duty, they're being eroded and, and undermined and attacked those rights through, as you say, casualisation and the gig economy and so on. And so uh, there's a need in many respects to, to renew that strength of solidarity with each other and unionism. And, uh, and it, it, it's happening and it will happen more and more. Um, and quite clearly unionism originally grew, you know, a hundred and more years ago, uh, grew out of conditions like this, mm. only worse. Yeah, definitely. And so the union movement workers were able to re- to build up the union movement, and they need to rebuild it nowadays. Well, yeah, and I suppose just talking on May Day, obviously, as you just mentioned, you've got the uh, meeting tomorrow at Thursday. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Yes, there's three events this year that um, the May Day Melbourne May Day Committee is organising. Mm-hmm. One is the is the ceremony, as we call it, out outside the eight-hour memorial opposite Trades Hall at five o'clock where unions come and report on their current struggles Mm -hmm. uh, and disputes that they might be having and uh, and we we carry a resolution there which reaffirms the commitment to uh, shorter hours and other conditions. Mm So that, uh, and many unions provide wreaths to lay on the eight-hour memorial okay. uh, in that situation. And then uh, later on, six o'clock in the same evening, on Thursday evening, uh, there's a, uh, what's called the International Solidarity Affair. It's a multicultural event with um, multicultural entertainment, multicultural feed, and, and, and some speakers, for instance, This year, the MUA is speaking on their struggles. Uh, The Philippines community is speaking about the rise of fascism and oppression in their home country against human rights and democratic rights. Mm -hmm. Uh, The WikiLeaks issue is going to be championed at this particular meeting, so we've got a speaker from WikiLeaks. And the recent arrest of Julian Assange as Mm. a whistleblower. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And uh, and then uh, then there's the Middle East question. Currently, the threat by uh, the U.S. imperialism to actually invade Iran, which could create a oh, huge yeah. uh, a huge conflagration across the Middle East, it's as if it's not in enough trouble already. So those four issues, for instance, are on the uh, the international solidarity affair, and um, and then on Sunday is the traditional. Made a demonstration and march around town, and uh, again the subjects for the speakers in that at various parts times in the march mm-hmm. will be the National Union of Workers is speaking on their recent victory of their members in the uh, chemist um, chemist warehouse chemist um, warehouse dispute. It was a tremendous victory, and so I think one of the rank and filers is speaking there about that, and mm-hmm. the NUW is speaking about the whole struggle by the union movement to get rid of the Morrison government. And then uh, the Friends of the Earth are speaking on Adani and uh, the global warming issue. And there's uh, the the Fair Go for Pensioners are speaking on the need to defend public housing, which is being Mm -hmm. privatised. And uh, and then there's a a speaker on the Venezuelan situation and the threats from 
US big business to want to take over the Venezuelan oil. So, um, so they're the three events, yeah. and there's on the march or during the march, there'll be plenty of good singing of working class songs, and uh, and uh, usually it's it's very enjoyable. You know? And just checking on Sunday, will that be happening uh, at ten o'clock at the State Library or Trades Hall or the tra- Trades Hall? We block off uh, Ligon Street from down from Queensbury Street. Okay, yeah. And then there's lots of stalls and other activities, tents. Um, and people gather, usually start to gather around about uh, 10, 11 o'clock. And then uh, they assemble for the march on the corner of uh, Victoria and Queensbury yeah. uh, at about uh, 1, 1 and one thirty, And then they march off at 2, march down around town, come back to Trades Hall, have another speech. And the much traditional May Day resolution is debated. Yep. And, uh, and then that's the day. That sounds like a fantastic day. Um, yeah. J- Justin, from listening to all this, obviously there's a huge range of events and issues being brought up with yeah. this. And, of course, with international workers, you're bringing up a lot of different groups, a lot of different exactly. interests and stuff like that. Uh, it sounds like one of the strengths of May Day is it's just a culmination, an amalgamation of all these different interests and yeah. stuff like that. Um, what do you think is the strength coming out of that, of, of having all these different issues under the banner of workers? Well, I think, um, you know, traditionally, again, if you go back to the tradition of May Day across the globe, mm. they've always championed not only their own pay and conditions, but solidarity with workers in various countries and in your own country mm-hmm. who are also fighting for wages over wages and conditions and rights, basic rights. And then, of course, there's the thing that workers always suffer worse from, and that's that's uh, aggressive, aggressive war, imperialist war, wage to, you know, control the resources, to control the oil, to control the money, and uh, and so those issues need to be again part of the solidarity effort by workers. The solidarity, for instance, at the moment with the Iranian people who are going to be seem to be going to face uh, aggression from the US. Mm. And, of course, there's many other hotspots, too, which we could talk about. So it's almost proactive as it is reactive, kind of, oh, mayday. Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of almost preempting yes. what could threaten workers' security and stuff like that. Sure. Well, I mean, in the end, if you're talking about, uh, you know, liberation for workers, uh, they, they, they always suffer worst in war, so they want a world without war. Mm-hmm. They want a world without exploitation. So all of those issues tie into that. Definitely. Mm. Now, we were talking a bit about internationalism before and the importance of solidarity um, with, uh, with workers overseas. What, um, aside from the, the event that's coming up, that was the day after tomorrow, is that yes. right, with the, the, the speakers from the Philippines and other places tomorrow. around the world? Oh, that's tomorrow. Thursday tomorrow. Oh, that's Thursday. Six yeah. o'clock tomorrow. Six o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, what, what other issues, um, like we were just talking about war, um, are, are important to to reach out internationally over. I, I was th- I'm thinking in particular about the the use of offshoring work to garment yes. workers overseas yes. and lower conditions around the world. Um, what kind of work does the Victorian Trades Hall do to to reach out to other union international union movements? Well, uh, we uh, the the May Day committee at this time of the year, once they carry their resolution on their statement for this year, that'll be sent out to many uh, union organisations across the globe, and many other organisations that are interested in solidarity. So, uh, we do that publicity alone there. But I think um, 
you know, it's obviously international solidarity is a year-round event. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, in effect, this is really just highlighting the issues. Then it's up to the May Day Committee, which meets regularly throughout the year, and, of course, the individual unions, mm-hmm. all, and all to continue that principle of international solidarity. And I guess, you know, in this day and age, one of the big issues going to be, which we've got on the agenda, is the whole question of global warming and the destruction mm. of the planet. And so the, the, the need to really mobilise on widespread scale, take, take a lesson from the students earlier <laughs> this year, mm. uh, so for us to mobilise on that issue right across the globe and in solidarity with others who are doing the same. So mm. I think, you know, May Day plays its little part in that. Mm. And you can feel certain there'll be a lot of students marching this Sunday as well. Yeah, we'd like to think so. We, we, you know, the Friends of the Earth are speaking on that mm-hmm. issue of Adani and, uh, and the crisis of the global crisis there. And so we would hope that a lot of people come along in support of that issue amongst others, you know. Definitely. Well, it sounds like a wonderful unification of different uh, different working groups and stuff like that, yes. and e- even things like um, having the report from different unions and kind of that discussion around yes. what different people are seeking sounds like a great opportunity to it kind is. of unite under one banner. And also, I think what I, I'm loving, and I'm, thank you so much for coming in and educating us a bit about it, oh, is uh, the celebratory nature of this and kind of it's it's a celebration and. Struggle, but it's like it's a nice, yeah, coming together. It is, and actually, what we find is interesting each year when we march down through town, you know, Burke Street and Mm -hmm. Swanson Street and so on, we find that there's a huge crowd looking on everywhere Mm -hmm. we go, wondering what we're doing. And when we (laughs) hand out a leaflet going down is why we're marching, Mm -hmm. that's really well received. They really appreciate trying to find out what we're on about. So So I think there's a big audience out there that needs to interface with us and we with them to uh, to examine these issues and hopefully hopefully some of them will be reflected in this election, that's a federal election. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well we've been talking about that coming up to it, yeah. yeah. Right. Well thank you so much Len for coming in. Um, Pleasure. Yeah, was, we'll just hit to a song now guys and then we'll be back. Good. Absolutely. So um, keeping in sort of on theme with uh, <laughs> all of the sort of union based music that we've been playing um, we'll be now playing Stand as One by Adam Lincoln and Carl. Strong. Stand strong. All right, it's 7.41. We just had Len in the studio, and we've got just a little tidbit of information for you before we go into our next bit. That is correct. Um, punching, is it punching down or punching up when we're talking about the United Australia Party? Oh, that is such a good it's punching debate. up because they're very wealthy. Punching up, they're wealthy. But, um. Punching down because they're a bit of pathetic. a. Pathetic? Bit of a laughing stock at the moment. Yeah, but, um, pu- definitely punching up. Um. Privilege wise. Um, <laughs> uh, so a Clive Palmer candidate, Stuart Hine, has been caught trying to trade an ad spend for favor, in return for favorable coverage. This is the Shepparton News. Those really um, beleaguered local newspapers like Shepparton News um, who rely, unlike 3CR, um, on commercial yeah. funding. And so so part of the issue and that's really brought to the forefront with this story is that you've got someone like Stuart Hine, who's the candidate for Nichols on the Aust- uh, in the United Australia Party, coming forward and saying if... You publish my media release, essentially saying, mm-hmm. if you publish my media release 
and all things go well and the coverage is good, then we'll do a big ad spend. We'll, we'll make a big ad spend at your newspaper. That's for the Shepparton News. Um, and rightfully, Stuart Hine of the United Australia Party is copying a lot of flack for that. Mm, yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, there definitely is a takeaway that um, stations like 3CR, um, we're, I wouldn't say that we're very lucky, but we've chosen to do a good thing by not accepting corporate yeah. money yeah, and definitely. by going down the path of not having a lot of money to spend on microphones. Like the microphones over here, they're almost falling over all the time. <laughs> And so am I, really. Um, but, yeah, just still kudos to, to local newspapers and um, and yeah. the hard work that they do. Um, they're really between a rock and a hard place. They've yeah. got an important job to do, reporting on local stories, but they have to rely on... on they have to keep alive things. somehow, yeah. Yeah, they have to keep alive somehow. Yeah. And the, the, the fact that it's commercial money puts them in a tight spot. Definitely. Really. I think what strikes me so much about this one is, um, mm. obviously going into election... Uh, parties have such strict mm. strict rules about you know spending and stuff like that and so this yeah. was a clear breach yeah. of those sorts I, of I just think it should be clear that the Shepparton news they refused yes no yeah. definitely <laughs> definitely no that, but that's what i mean is it's like th- this uh, apparently allegedly he sent an email offering exclusive access to his media release at the murray mm. darling basin and suggested he the days he wanted it published um his offer was quickly rejected which mm. i think is a wonderful stand up against you know Basically, someone going and offering a lot of money. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, just absolutely astounding for 7.44 on a Wednesday morning yeah. to have that as a report. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, should we move on to more May Day yes, content? Yes, yes. If um, you've missed it, by the way, we're doing May Day today. <laughs> Happy May Day, everyone. Uh, the time is 7.44, coming up to 7.45, and we'll be listening to something that Dirt Radio recorded. Uh, stay tuned and listen in. Most LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counselling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between Queer Space, Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1-800-542-847. With Respect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call 000. A 3CR supporter. Join Self for Justice Launch and Pedal Out from 10am on Saturday for the May on St Kilda Beach, Bunurong Country. Manus, here we come. Bring your own flotation devices to pedal out or join a day sail from St. Kilda to Sandringham. 11 a.m. Original Nations Passport Ceremony, 12 p.m. Barbecue and Yarn, 1 p.m. Music, 2 p.m. Lunch and Pedal Out, 3 to 4 p.m. More music. This event takes place on the stolen territory of Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty never ceded. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, 4th of May, on St. Kilda Beach. For more information, go to saleforjustice.org. Sale number 4, justice.org. Sale for Justice is a Tricia supporter.
Bat Rock is on again this Saturday on the 4th of May at Bombay Rock on Sydney Road in Brunswick. Bats are incredibly important to our ecosystem and due to habitat loss and climate change, they're becoming endangered. Fly by Night is a licensed wildlife shelter and is run entirely by volunteers dedicated to the rescue and rehabilitation of the threatened grey-headed flying fox as well as other native bats and wildlife. All proceeds this Saturday will go to Fly by Night Bat Clinic. Bat-loving bands performing are Keggin, Monkey Butler, The Caddo Army, Commissioner Bourbon, Bronze, Nosferotica, 16 by 9 and 3CR Stinky Girl kicks things off. Entry is free from 5.30 onwards at Bombay Rock on Sydney Road. To find out more about Fly By Night Bat Clinic, go to flybynight.org.au. You're listening to Wednesday Breakfast. Um, In honour of May Day, we are talking fair working conditions. Um, Did you know that workers regularly donate an average of six hours of unpaid work every week? on that theme, Dirt Radio's Megan and M caught up with Eleanor Coffey from the Red Gum Cleaning uh, Cooperative about how worker-owned cooperatives improve working conditions, wages and safety. So let's stay tuned. In 1879, Victoria was the first state to bring in a, uh, to bring in a paid public holiday to celebrate the eight-hour working day, Labor Day, which of course we celebrate back in March. The eight-hour working day was fought for and won by unions through the mid-1800s as the Industrial Revolution made working days extend to 12 or even 16 hours a day. But 150 years on, how is the eight-hour working day faring for Australians? Not so well, according to a 2018 study published by the Australia Institute, which estimated that we are doing a whopping six hours of unpaid work every single week. Over the, over the year, that amounts to an additional two months of free labour we're gifting to our bosses, all at a time when wages are stagnating, costs of li- living are going up, and unemployment and underemployment are on the rise. Here to talk to us today is Eleanor Coffey, a member of the Red Gum Cleaning Cooperative and organiser at the Earthworker Cooperative. These cooperative working environments are proudly worker-owned, providing dignified, well-paid and safe and secure jobs for its members. Welcome to the show, Eleanor. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Now, to start us off, uh, can you give us a bit of a background about what the Red Gum Cleaning Cooperative is? Yeah, so... um the Red Gum Cleaning Cooperative, like you said, is a worker-owned enterprise. Um, we started in early 2018 uh, cleaning houses in Melbourne. Um, we had five uh, founding members at the time who um, each uh, yeah, helped set up the cooperative. Um, and, yeah, the way it works is basically we each have um, an equal... Like, we each own the cooperative, we have an equal stake, um, we have a vote... And, um, yeah, we make the decisions around how we run our own workplace. Great. And so in setting up a cooperative, like what, what kind of inspired you to, to get it off the ground? Well, at the time, um, it was like quite a few years in development before we launched last year. Um, I was, uh, in sort of late 2015, I was an organiser for the Earth Worker Cooperative and um, also working as a cleaner. And at the time, we didn't have any kind of operating worker cooperatives within the Earthworker Network. And, um, yeah, 
as as a cleaner, you know, had some frustrations about my workplace and also really wanted to um, kind of experience firsthand what it was like setting up and working in a worker cooperative um, because because none of us really had that hands-on experience at the time. Um, so, yeah, what we did was we, we basically did kind of a big call-out for people who were interested in worker co-ops and from that a few people started meeting um, around the idea of a cleaning cooperative and, um, yeah, eventually we... Yeah, kind of got enough momentum to launch. Um, but yeah, it was is a good, I think a really good industry to um, to start a worker co-op in because, like, as many people know, like the cleaning industry is particularly um, rife with wage theft and exploitation. Um, a lot of cleaners also in unsafe um, kind of work environments, exposed to chemicals and that sort of thing. So it was really um, yeah rewarding for us to be in that space and kind of creating and showing that there are like an alternative, um, yeah, to that, to that industry and that we could do things um, in a greener way and a more democratic way. Fantastic. And um, through setting up the cooperative, like what kind of challenges did you come across? Has it been difficult to get the member base or the client base? Like, how did you go about addressing sort of the basic um, needs yeah. of an enterprise? Well, I mean, certainly we were very fortunate because um, because Earthworker already existed, which is um, a cooperative that um, you know exists to help startup worker cooperatives um, with with the view of creating a network of worker cooperatives. Um, basically, as a way of saying, you know. We, we can have we can kind of create the industries that we need because at the moment we we're very much limited to um, kind of accepting the jobs that exist which might not necessarily be kind of good for the environment they might not be really serving our community so it was kind of coming already coming from that space and there was already a, like a network of organizers who, who had some understanding of worker co-ops and a supportive membership who wanted to see projects like us Thrive. So that was a really good um, thing to have. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it did also take quite a long time. You know, as, as people who have done any kind of activism know, there's, you know, hours and hours of meeting and discussion. You know, we had to we had to learn a lot of things from scratch. We had to work out how to build a website and build a website, um, you know, decide things about our, our name, what our logo was going to be. Um, and, you know, it did... I, w- I will say, like, anyone who is thinking of starting a project, it helps to just kind of speak as if it's already happening and talk to as many people as you can, and then more people get, get involved and get interested in the idea. And once you've got a core group of people who are interested in the idea and actually really need it to work, because it is a worker cooperative, you know, we were involved in it because we need jobs and we wanted better jobs. There was already a high amount of investment and even though it took a really long time to set the thing up, um, that also meant that the people in the group really got to know each other, really got to trust each other, and that, that helped a lot, um, yeah, in terms of being ready to, to launch and, and weather all of the challenges that would come after that. Um, we haven't actually found it's been very difficult to get clients. We've almost had the opposite problem, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, 
yeah, we've got about 50 to 60 kind of households that we clean for at the moment and one office building. And we've actually had to put pause on, on at various times on how many clients we take in so we can make sure that we're not kind of overworking ourselves and we're also putting the effort into, you know, building a sustainable structure for, for the organisation to kind of work within. Yeah. Absolutely. Sounds great. Now, we're kind of led to believe that we need supervisors at work, you know, people yeah. to report back to, to make sure we're doing our jobs properly. How does the cooperative handle that? Yeah, it is. It's a funny one. You know, people sometimes do hear about worker cops and they're like, you know, I, I don't think that can work, you know, but it has worked and it does work. And there's, there's so many worker cooperatives around the world that show that, you know, we actually... We're actually built to cooperate. Um, I think that's kind of our natural state with each other. And, you know, it's, it's not so hard. Of course, you do need certain people taking responsibility for certain roles, but that can be something that you decide collectively together. You know, we, we do things like we share the roles around admin and booking clients and doing the roster. Um, you know, we all want the business to do really well because we're all beneficiaries of the business. Mm. You know, we don't, we don't, there's an inherent um, value in what we're doing to us. We don't need somebody to tell us what to do. We want to do it because we want it to do well because we get the benefits from that as well. Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you said earlier that, you know, you've got a big interest in kind of creating a sustainable organisation and one that can yeah. grow steadily and not sort of overwork yourself. Yeah. Um, and earlier, Megan mentioned a study that said that people who are self-employed actually work the most unpaid overtime. So yeah. I'm just wondering what kind of policies you have in place at Red Gum Cooperative to stop your workers from overdoing it or keeping those sustainable policies in, in check yeah, so that's been it's been a slow process. Like I have to be, you know, really honest. And I think any anybody who starts up a worker cooperative is going to do lots of unpaid labour at the start mm. because unless you can get like a huge amount of funding from from someone, and we didn't get any funding from the government, we just we just uh, put in the work. And when we started up, we all bought in. All, all worker cooperatives have a buy-in where you invest a little bit of money in the co-op mm. and we use that to buy vacuums. And luckily, a, a cleaning cooperative isn't a huge, in terms of like capital, you know, you don't need like a factory or something like that. Um, but yeah, so at the moment where we're really, we're really drilling down on ourselves to be like, we need to pay for all the work we're doing. You know, we can't, it's, it's not, you know, it's not sustainable to, you know, for anyone to be doing work that's not remunerated. Um, but that's been something that, you know, has been a transition because at the start, like, we weren't earning any income. So it had to be volunteer, but also we're building something for us. So it's kind of a tricky thing. It's kind of self-exploitation. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't, we don't want to do and we don't want to have a culture of. So we're really talking about that at the moment, um, yeah, and making sure that, you know, we tell each other all the time every meeting, make sure you're putting down your admin hours. You're not, you're not like, putting in extra time um, because if we're not getting paid, then there's a problem, like, the business isn't sustainable and we need to address that together. Um, yeah, but, you know, it is a challenge and I won't say that we always, um, that we've got it right from the start. It's something that we're trying to do. 
Yeah, that's it's really interesting. Uh, I find it particularly interesting that we kind of believe that we need bosses to do the work, but without the bosses, we do so much work that we have to keep it in check. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. How can um, it be both? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely, and. Um, at Friends of the Earth, we're fighting for environmental justice and social yeah. justice. Like, does the Red Gum Cleaning Cooperative do anything to limit its environmental footprint? Um, we we try to we try to make sure that we're it's, it's small at the moment. Like, we have we have kind of longer term aims when we, you know, have a, have a, have more money saved up that we you know invest in electric bikes and doing things like that. At the moment, we, we try to limit the amount of um, kind of driving that we do by booking um, clients close together and, you know, geographically and, and not trying to, yeah, try not to drive too much. Um, and also we use, um, you know, all natural biodegradable cleaning products, um, yeah, as a way of limiting that impact. And, yeah, we, we try to do that stuff as much as possible. Um, I have to say in the first year, it's been a little bit of a, you know, we're just kind of getting on our feet. Um, but the good thing about a worker co-op is that, that once you've got on your feet and you're earning a surplus, you can collectively decide to put that, um, you know, some of that wealth into into good things. Like we, we had a small surplus, we put some into Earthworker, back into the Earthworker network this year, and also to support the um, Japarang um, embassy. And, um, you know, it, that felt really good, kind of this sort of knowledge that, you know, we're building up resources to um, to do things like that. And also, like, we kind of see the work we're doing, um, you know, kind of collectivising, getting control of our work life as, as a way of, um, you know, ensuring that we have the choice of where to put our labour. And even if our work isn't as directly relevant to kind of the climate crisis as, as a lot of other work, um, you know, we're building a network of people who can be responsive to change and support each other and be resilient um, to things that are changing and, and climate change and economic uncertainty. And we're already mobilised in that way. So we think that's also important. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. It certainly sounds more meaningful than some tokenistic corporate social responsibility. One day of volunteering, you get it at a, at a big... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's really great for us. As a lot of us have been activists even before our involvement in Red Gum. And as you probably know, it can be frustrating to support your activism by doing, doing jobs that you don't like. Um, and we have a job that we can feel like is also a kind of activism. And that feels really good. Yeah, and it's a job that needs to be done. So it's great yeah. that good people are doing it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, for the people out there who think this is the greatest thing since Labor Day, how can they support your work or get involved themselves? Well, um, yeah, anyone's welcome to get in touch with us. We've got a, a website at redgumcleaning.coop. Um, I'd also encourage people to look up the Earthworker Cooperative, um, which is a membership organisation. You can become a member of Earthworker and help um, support the growth of a network of enterprises like us. Um, yeah, at the moment, the, the factory in Morwell, Earthworker Energy Manufacturing Cooperative, is um, producing solar hot water systems. It's recently started manufacturing, so if, you, if you're looking to switch over to solar, um, definitely hit them up. Um, yeah, it's just a little plug there for them. But, um, yeah, so I reckon get involved and, um, 
yeah, I think, you know, if we can start a worker co-op, I think anybody can. Anyone who wants advice or support, um, we're very happy to happy to help. Um, so do, do get in touch with us. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Eleanor. Yeah, thanks for having me and all the great work you do at both. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you later. All right, cheers. Bye. That was Eleanor Coffey, a member of the Red Gum Cleaning Cooperative who is radicalising the cleaning industry, bringing workers' rights and uh, eco-friendly products and even um, bicycle-driven cleaning services, which I think is very exciting. <laughs> right on. You can tune into Dirt Radio every Tuesday from 9.30am or you can head to their page. Um, we can re-listen to that interview and many other great interviews um, at 3cr.org.au slash dirt radio. Um, also, if you want to find out um, more about uh, the, the cooperative, the Red Gum Cleaning Cooperative, you can head to earthworkercooperative.com.au um, and then there under the page specifically slash tag slash cleaning. I know it, it's very, um, very boomer of me to read out a whole, uh, web link like that and also to call it a web link. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know how best to communicate that. Maybe we can put the link in our web page or something like that. You're disappointing your generation. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> All right. I've got, uh, basically the upcoming kind of audio to come for today. Ooh, yeah. So. Today is hashtag Union Radio. So from 3CR's inception, the union movement has been a proud part of our story. And this is why we kind of dedicate 12 hours of special programming from 7am to 7pm on May Day. Um, So this kind of talks about the the history of the workers' rights, current industrial disputes, the struggle for fair workplace and wages, and our union support for First Nation sovereignty campaigns, our solidarity movements, and kind of the workers' global. That's a lot to take in. <laughs> so we started off this morning with our 7 a.m. kind of Wednesday breakfast. After this, 8.30, Stick Together. Stick Together is Australia's one national radio show dedicated to union and workplace justice issues, airing first on 3CR. It's then distributed via, you know, national community network. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be a, basically a weekly wrap-up of union news. Today's May Day presenter is Annie. So that will be absolutely fantastic. Uh, at 9 o'clock, we then got City Limits, which will be talking about uh, the urban environment, federal and state government services and local campaigns. Uh, they'll be focusing on transport today, as it's the first of the month, and that will be kind of focusing on workers in the transport industry and solidarity between community campaigns around roads and transport issues and unions. Then at 10 o'clock, we've got Anarchist World This Week, May Day, The Facts. Uh, with an exclamation point. <laughs> and that'll be the history of May Day, both internationally and also in Australia, linked with the history of the anarchist movement. So uh, as um, Len said earlier today, this is one, the 125th centenary kind of anniversary. So Joe Toscano, sorry, of the May Day <laughs> celebrations. Mm-hmm. So Joe Toscano will be talking about the 133rd anniversary of the Australian anarchist movement and talking about how these two kind of interact throughout history. Um, at 11 o'clock, we'll be having Fire First, which is a historically informed critical analysis of Aboriginal affairs and kind of the ongoing political movement for land rights, uh, sovereignty and the cessation of genocide. For May Day, Robbie will be looking at union support from the Jatwarong campaign. Jatwarong. Thank you. Campaign to protect 800-year-old sacred trees and culturally significant sites under threat from Vic Road's Western Highway. Um, I think we've been covering the story for quite a while now, so mm. it'll be great to get 
today's yeah. perspective. Head to on the, it. Um, the Jatwarung um, Embassy webpage, um, dwembassy.org.au, I believe it is. I'll double check that um, before we finish the show today. Um, but they're also, um, if you go onto their um, Facebook page, they're running mm. a working bee um, at, up at Top Camp. Oh, um, so if you head to um, Facebook and just search for Jabwarung, spelt D J A B space W U R R U N G. Mm-hmm. Um, then you'll be able to find their find their Facebook group and um, find out where to go if you want to go along and help um, help the um, First Nations people defending their own land. Definitely, and they'll be going on throughout the day because at 12 to 2 o'clock we have Black Betty who will bring you stolen um, kind of updates on the stolen wages and the current continuation of this story under federal government's community development program, which we were mentioning earlier today, um, for the employment of First Nations people in remote areas. Two to four o'clock, you'll then have Lazy Wednesday Afternoon kicking in with some May Day uh, music for the workers. So we've been kind of playing a few tunes, but they'll have, I'm sure, many, many more. Then four to five o'clock, it's Radical Australia, which will be kind of looking, uh, we'll be featuring Kevin Bracken, a longtime social ju- justice activist with the Maritime Union of Australia in that conversation. And then five to 5.30, Brainwaves. This week on Brainwaves, the team will discuss employment and how that affects mental health and the WISE, uh, that's W-I-S-E, WISE Ways to Work um, program run by the WISE Employment Group. Uh, this program is a new initiative that helps people living with mental illness prepare to enter the workforce and supports them throughout their journey. So that'll be good. And then 6 to 6.30, the Asia-Pacific Currents. Uh, we'll be looking at the Asia Worker Links, A-A-W-L for short, um, which work to build kind of international solidarity links between workers as the best means to develop and strengthen workers' rights in the Asia-Pacific region. They'll be bringing you stories and interviews with labour and human rights activists on the Asia-Pacific region and updates of their kind of campaigns and reports of labour and progressive struggles in the region. And if you don't know, Pierre and Giselle, the hosts of um, uh, Asia-Pacific Currents, are fantastic chats. They're really good. Um, so definitely tune in for that one. 100%. And then 6.30 to 7 o'clock, finishing off our 12-hour day of special programming for May Day. Oh, we made it to the end. Is Contabla um, Bellabelle? Com- completada bailable. <laughs> Thank you so much, Will. Unfortunately, I trip over my words at this time in the morning, uh, which will highlight women in Latin America and their struggles and contribution to anti-capitalist struggles and workers' rights, broadcasting in English and Spanish, so it's just double the cool. Um, and that's, that's your union radio for the day, for May Day. That's a full day. It's a full day. Um, yeah, it's definitely. A full five minutes. <laughs> after, after we finish the show, definitely stay tuned to Stick Together. Mm. Um, like you said, the only national... Union news show that really sort of hits the hits facts, the honestly. facts, and um, you know reports on the things that really matter to workers. Mm. And Matt and Annie and a few others on that program mm-hmm. just work, ama- do some amazing coverage. So and work well amazingly worth. hard on on their show. Yeah, so, well yeah. worth tuning in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now um, we're going to do. Uh, we're coming up to our next interview yeah. uh, with John from the University of Adelaide. We're just organising, getting on the phone with him now. So we're just going to mm. chuck on a few community service announcements, but we should be back pretty soon. Stay tuned. Wednesday breakfast. I have to get the car service for the big drive on Friday. I'll make sure the kids are ready. I won't forget mozzie spray this time. Oh, and we can't forget to vote before we go. What? The federal election is on Saturday the 18th of May, and all Australian citizens age 18 years and over must vote. But if you know you won't be able to make it to a polling place on election day, you may be able to vote early. To find out how, go to aec.gov.au or call 132326. It's our vote and our future. Authorised by the Electoral Commissioner Canberra. A 3CR supporter. 
Join Self for Justice Launch and Parallel from 10 a.m. on Saturday, 4th of May, on St. Kilda Beach, Bunurong Country. Manus, here we come. Bring your own flotation devices to pedal out or join a day sail from St. Kilda to Sandringham. Wake up, wake up, it's time for action. 11 a.m. Original Nations Passport Ceremony. 12 p.m. Barbecue and Yarn. 1 p.m. Music. 2 p.m. Lunch and pedal out. 3 to 4 p.m. More music. This event takes place on the stolen territory of Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty never ceded. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, 4th of May, on St. Kilda Beach. For more information, go to saleforjustice.org. Sale number 4, justice.org. Sale for Justice is a Tricia supporter. And you're listening to 3CR. It's 8.11 and we're going into our next interview. Now, this was kind of uh, from an article I read in The Conversation, fantastic publication, uh, talking about kind of multicultural media. Uh, we have the author, John Bodrick, uh, lecturer of media currently at the University of Adelaide, on the phone to tell us more. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. No problem. Happy May Day. Happy May Day. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I suppose uh, just starting out this kind of conversation to contextualise the discussion a bit, uh, could you give us a brief outline of the development and history around multicultural media in Australia? Yeah, um, sure. Well, it's it's got a very long history, so it dates back uh, well into the mid-19th century with some of the first publications, mm-hmm. uh, the foreign language publications in Australia. It's uh, actually got a, a broadcasting history that dates back to um, the mid-20th century with uh, uh, actually commercial radio stations were some of the, the first to broadcast uh, foreign language on, on their stations. And then, of course, the 1970s was really a, a boom decade in terms of multicultural mm. and ethnic media in Australia with the ramping up of, of SBS, and, and, of course, the real growth of the community radio sector. So it, it's a very long and rich history, and throughout that time, uh, ethnic or multicultural media have played a variety of, of different and really important roles in Australian society. And I suppose, obviously, Australia has this huge um, history with migration and multiculturalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, You've you mentioned just them playing a few different roles. What is the significance? What are these roles that we've seen them? Have we seen them change in recent years? Well, I think, well, it's interesting today being made a, um, some of the early roles of course around, um, labour movements, um, and workers' movements mm-hmm. and the role of, of ethnic media and the ethnic print in, in those sorts of movements. Um, a lot of the roles have, have been, as you'd expect, support of language, support of, of traditions, passing on traditions, um, telling their own stories, for mm-hmm. example. But there's also been wider roles in, in terms of connecting with broader Australian society um, and creating connections and links and, and really helping migrants to settle into Australian society over mm, the years. Yeah. And I think that's something that's increasingly coming out now is, is this role of, of ethnic media in its different forms and the way in which it can assist migrant settlement and feelings of belonging in Australia, but, but also really help in terms of Australia's multicultural society and, and understandings of different cultures and different groups. 
Definitely. I, I suppose you always hear the um, argument that if you can see your face on television or hear, you know, someone that mm. represents your kind of voice, that there, there, mm. there's a better sense of belonging or a better sense of accessibility. Is that kind of what we see with multicultural media? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's also about the sort of stories that are being told and the way they're mm. being told um, about the sorts of things that are covered that are that are often not covered by the very general mainstream media, which obviously target a, a sort of very broad general audience and tend mm. to cover the, the same sorts of things. And so the really important roles of ethnic and multicultural media is, is they cover issues that aren't often covered mm. in mainstream media and they do it in a different way to the mainstream media. And absolutely, they also are a really fundamental pathway to getting... Um, different faces and, and different people on the screens. Australia's still got a fairly homogenous media landscape. Mm-hmm. And so the more we can get these diverse voices and faces on radio and on screen and, and publishing and actually organising media and choosing the stories that are going to be told, uh, the better it is to actually reflect Australia's uh, multicultural uh, population. And I suppose also uh, just... Uh, as you mentioned, this kind of being almost like an empathy exercise and a, a learning exercise with different cultures kind of, you know, portraying their, their customs and beliefs and stuff like that, uh, especially in the the rise that we've seen kind of of the right recently and kind of, you know, this this yeah. return of kind of the white right movement kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Do you think that multicultural media has a definitely a power to play here and kind of, you know, could do a lot of good within kind of defeating the misconceptions often held by these groups? Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's really an important point in the current context. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's there's a there's a limit to what I guess the traditional mainstream media can do here. Mm-hmm. Um, we we see that unfortunately, there's there's a lot of the far right have got a lot of airtime and a lot of space in the mainstream media for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons, um, and and still I think there's really a lack of 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 coverage. Um, of multicultural issues, and I think still um, migrants and, and um, culturally and linguistically diverse people still struggle to get sufficient representation in mainstream media. And I, and I also think it's really important that they actually have their own media to tell their own stories in their own voices through because they can do it in a different way than the mainstream does, and then they can actually um, challenge a lot of these far-right ideas um, a lot more effectively Definitely. and actually talk to people directly and, and actually break down some of these myths around migration and multiculturalism. Yeah. Yeah. John, this that, is that seem to be Will. Growing. Sorry, John, this is no, Will, Will here. Um, uh, you were speaking earlier about uh, people not finding what they need to find in mainstream media and so turning to mm. community media, but we've seen similar movement towards social media um, as people... Yep fail to find um, the representation that they, that they need in, in mainstream media. To what extent is this impacting on traditional um, multicultural and um, non-English language media? Uh, that's a really good question. It, it absolutely is. One of the interesting things about uh, multicultural ethnic media is um, that depending on the group using it, depending on the people using it, um, it, it can come through different technologies and different mediums so as you would expect so so for some for some communities radio and and community ethnic radio is still you know one of the key sources of information and are really important for other groups uh, they're turning more and more to social media 
whether it's Facebook pages or WhatsApp or, or Twitter, um, for various reasons to get to get their news. And for other groups, it's it's still uh, the traditional uh, ethnic newspaper. So it can often depend on the group, mm-hmm. um, which sort of technology they use, and and what kind of appeals to them, and 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 what's the uh, what's the key technology through which they can get their news. But social media certainly is having an effect, and it's certainly an area that also needs attention in terms of how we can grow it um, for ethnic and migrant communities. Definitely. And, John, just in recent years, obviously, the media's undergone some very drastic changes. There's been cuts and change in, like, you know, mm. national ownership and stuff like that. And within your discussion, you really raised the concern over this fact that multicultural media is getting a lot of generalist funding, but that's lacking kind of, like, the specific targeted kind of yeah. support it needs. Could you kind of walk us through a little bit of that? Well, I, I think... One of the problems tends to be that um, in the current sort of political climate, there tends to be this view of, of sort of mainstream, the big media, and then everything else mm-hmm. lumped together. And that would include community media as well as community ethnic media. Um, and one of the problems tends to be that with the internet now, there's this idea that really community ethnic media, alternative media, don't need all that much funding because everyone can just do it over the internet, mm-hmm. and that, that's a really problematic view. In that, in that it's, it's not true, basically, and there's still a vital role for things like community ethnic radio, and they still need support. You still need resources. So I think when you lump in ethnic media with all these other types of what I guess politicians would consider the non-mainstream, um, often it's hard to actually get the resources to directly fund new media to, to help produce the newspapers, to help produce the radio shows, to train the workers, et cetera, et cetera, because mm-hmm. there's this idea that they can simply go and start a blog or, or simply go online. And, and as you know, it, it takes work to, to find an audience. It takes work to maintain an audience. It takes mm-hmm. work to sort yeah. of get up every day and produce new media and new content in that, in that climate. Absolutely, definitely <laughs> speaking to one community radio station to go to another, it's definitely a lot of, a lot of work. Um, and just mentioning that 3CR obviously does do a lot of um, support for language, a lot of mm. language shows. We incorporate a lot of mm. um, foreign language programs. For, uh, we've got 18 different languages on this station. <laughs> it's, it's great mm. to, to tune in after 6.30 and know that but there's yeah, a community language show for definitely. you. Definitely. And I, I suppose closing thoughts, but obviously with this need for more kind of channelled funding uh, leading up to the election, a policy would be kind of... Do you think a policy would need to address kind of ethnic media and talk, you know, what, what, what would that kind of need to look like? Yeah, look, I'd love to see, I'd love to see, to see politicians actually directly address ethnic media, it, it simply doesn't get talked about in, in federal politics at all. Um, mm. And if you look over the history, it's very hard to find distinct discussions other than very general support for multiculturalism, um, mm. which is fantastic. But, yeah, it, it's hard to find specific ideas and policies around ethnic media. Um, and again, as you know, you know, community media more broadly as well um, often struggle to sort of get a, a sufficient piece of the, the funding pie. Yeah, what definitely. I think... What, yeah, what, what I think we need to look out for is, is um, any sort of party or, or, or any group that actually appreciates the, the highly concentrated nature of Australia's media landscape and actually wants to do something about it. And, and any group that kind of denies this idea that the internet will, will help and save everything. We actually need to proactively diversify Australia's media landscape. I think that's a good place to start. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on today. It's been great to hear a bit more about uh, multicultural media. I really appreciate it.
No problems. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. See ya. And that was John, as we said, uh, talking about kind of multicultural media from the University of Adelaide. Earlier on in the show, we've also had Len Cooper for the May Day celebrations, mm-hmm. um, which I'll just recap really, really super quickly. Um, today, tomorrow, it'll be starting tomorrow at five o'clock, and they'll be having a ceremony at Trades Hall with the reports from different unions and the resolution pass that they do every year. Then at six o'clock, also Trades Hall, there'll be the International Multicultural Solidarity Affair, which sounds to have like it's going to have some amazing speakers there. And then finally, if you're free on Sunday at about 10 to 11 o'clock, um, May Day kind of activities will be kicking off around Trades Hall. That will be at Ligon and the corner of Vic Road. And there are going to be stalls and music and marching and speeches. So Celebrations It sounds galore. like everyone should come. Like, bring your kids, to be honest. <laughs> bring your kids, definitely. Um, and, yeah, the, the march hall itself will be kicking off about 1 o'clock. I've got a quick thing to mention here, just with May uh, the 1st, is the banner painting... Banner painting with Friends of the Earth and Democracy in Colour to stamp out racism. So if you're interested for the upcoming march on Sunday, uh, Friends of the Earth will be holding a committed to environmental social justice. They'll be painting banners to send message to candidates and political parties in the final leg of this 2019 federal election that there's no room for racism in Australian politics. Mm. So not quite directly located to May Day, but they'll be Friends of the Earth will be kind of acting around those. Well, they're painting the banners, and the banners will be carried... Definitely, exactly. This Sunday. So if you are interested in that, uh, you can find them on Facebook. You can also contact uh, the Friends of Melbourne, uh, sorry, Friends of the Earth at Melbourne, uh, Leigh Eubank, who... Leigh Eubank. Leigh Eubank, thank you, uh, or Democracy in Colour. So if you just get in contact with them, basically, on Facebook, I think is where their main event is. Yeah, yeah. So you'd be, be going to Facebook searching for democracy mm-hmm. in colour. Yeah. That's right. Uh, also, you can go and look up strongerthanfear.org.au. Mm-hmm. Uh, so than with an A. Uh, they also have some bit more information about it. And they'll be just kind of outside Smith Street. So actually hmm. right here in our yeah, location. Yeah, right out around the corner. Right out now, the corner. this morning it was balmy. So you would have thought that it's going to be a beautiful, sunny, warm day. No. Uh-huh. No. Oh. Disabuse yourself of that. <laughs> That foolishness. You're living in Nah, Melbourne. It's not like that here. It's going to be a top of 21 with a few showers today. Um, partly cloudy. Um, the chance of showers is 80% in the morning and again tonight, with a medium chance 40% during the afternoon. Uh, there might be a thunderstorm during this afternoon and evening, um, and winds will be between 25-45 k. So kind of a, a little breezy, but not gusty. Sounds good. Mm. I was just thinking, sunny days, we don't do that here. No, <laughs> no. Although yesterday was beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, actually, no, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so take but it all we back. Like, we like on. to tell ourselves that the weather is is tough down here, so that, mm. like, you know, whilst I'm walking around these beautiful streets, sipping a latte, I'm like, oh, I do it tough, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Mm. You know, that angst. Yeah. That yeah. Melbourne angst, that classic <laughs> Melbourne angst. Um, what, what are you... What are you grateful for? I'm grateful for an image that... Uh, so I've got a daily art app, and it's Ooh. given me some amazing Japanese prints. I'll just find the name for it while yeah, you tell yeah. me what you're thankful for. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I've got it ready. Uh, well, I'm, I'm grateful for... Um, uh, oh, my parents are here. My parents oh, are here lovely. in Melbourne. They're visiting down from Indonesia. That's, That's really great. Um, so I'm grateful for brunch, mm-hmm. which hopefully they're going to pay for. 
Um, we haven't we haven't discussed this yet, but if they're not paying for brunch, then I'm going to be very sad. Um, yeah, I, I'm grateful for for my mum and my dad. Love you both. Um, they don't listen because I don't. I mean, you can get three CR in Indonesia, but Maybe. I mean, you'd have to go out of your way. You'd have to go out of your way. Yeah. Uh, the image I was thinking about is called Hell Kortosan, uh, and it's an 1874 piece. Ooh. Its Japanese name is Jigoku. I'm going to get you to pronounce it again. Uh, Jigoku Dai. There we go. See? Much better. He's much better at pronouncing. <laughs> <laughs> Just generally. It means Hell Demon. Yeah. Is that right? That's exactly yeah, right. Wow. It's a fabulous piece. Anyway, right. the point is, happy May Day. We're mm. going out uh, with the only appropriate song, uh, Dolly Parton's 9 to 5. Have a wonderful May Day, Workers of the World. I tumble out of bed and I stumble in the kitchen I pour myself a cup of ambition 3CR relies on the support of ethical organisations to keep our vital community of voices on air. And we'd like to thank our breakfast supporters, the new international bookshop, Nibs, at Trades Hall, and eco-friendly paper and printing outfit, Earth Greetings. You can check them out at nibs.org.au and earthgreetings.com.au. And if you'd like more information on how your organisation can become a 3CR supporter, contact the station on 03 9419 You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.